What is up, Smarks, Marks, and 9to5Jobbers? My name is Kevin. This is Mike. This is Andrew. Nate Dog in the house. You are listening to the Five Wise Marks. We're really glad that you're our friend. And this is a friendship that'll never, ever end. So this is part two of Too Big for One podcast, man. We're here on the, the Five Wise Marks with two of us. One plus one minus three. That equals disaster for you at Sacrifice, man. No, it equals disaster at WrestleMania 36, part two. Well, thankfully there was less disaster this night than there was on night one. I would like to think it was equal, but you know what? I can just agree to disagree. Well, I'll say the highest of highs may have been better on night one, but the, you didn't have the lows on night two that you had on night one, in my opinion. Right. Uh, I don't think there was anything quite as blah as that, those first four matches on, on night one. Right. Yeah, we we had an interesting night. There's some things we definitely have to react to that I'm not sure I've even processed yet. Right. Quite a few matches went pretty long, too, actually. We'll, we'll get into those. Did you watch the pre-show? Because I did not. I did not either. I was too busy playing with the niece. Yeah, well, I saw Liv Morgan and Natalia, and I just decided that wasn't worth watching. Yeah, we, we predicted that anyway, so we were probably right on the finish. Yeah, so I just, whatever, don't care. Because <laughs> we're always right, because we're the five wise marks. Exactly. So, kicked off with the same video from last night. Okay, that's that's a thing. Could have done something else, but you know what? I'll just, I guess less is more. Yeah, let's just... Just skip that. Take what so I got. Starts off not with the match I would have expected to kick off the show, which was Rhea Ripley defends the NXT Women's Championship uh. against Charlotte Flair. And this is a match that I had pretty high expectations going into. And Did it deliver? I, I don't think it did. I don't think it was bad. I'm not going to trash either one of them, but I, this needed a crowd. Yeah, I think it needed a crowd, but... In the sense that it didn't have a have a uh, a crowd, I'm glad because Charlotte wins. LOL would have just sucked the life right out of it, like it did me. It it definitely would have. Uh, I mean, I will have to say though, Rhea Ripley, the ah, 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 ah. the selling she did fantastic. Well, she sold a lot, but it was pretty hard on my ears. <laughs> well, right, yeah. Depended if you're wearing earbuds. R.I.P. headphone users, but yeah, I mean. Both myself and the wife were coming. It was it was a little much on the the screaming, uh, and if there was a crowd, at least there was some ambient noise around that would have made it a little more tolerable. Right. But in that empty arena, like I get you trying to sell, I get it. Like that's your job, but I don't think it needed to be quite that piercing. Right. And I mean the match told a story. Rhea gets up, dominates. Charlotte works the leg, works the leg, works the leg, works the leg. Eventually. Slaps on figure eight and gets the the submission win, but mm -hmm. I, I don't see what this does for Charlotte, and it does not. It just it kills Rhea. See, they talk about, or at least Charlotte goes on interviews with TMZ and talks about, "Oh, you're getting close to your father's 16 world title record." Uh, you know, it's not really about that. It's just going out and perform. Shut up! Yes, it is. You freaking moron! Oh my god! Come on, that was so... It's more fake than your boobs, Charlotte. Come on, get well, out of here. You know you are getting pushed to the moon for the past five, six years now, is it? For her to no, match Ric Flair's record. Come no on, we're not stupid. Like exactly, and no even one ever Roman, will be. Even Roman hasn't gotten this consistent of a push for this long. And that says something. I mean, it's, it is what it is, but do you really have to throw every single person under the bus for Charlotte? Right. And she doesn't elevate anyone. When was the last time somebody left a feud with Charlotte better off than they started it? The only, there's only one I can think of in her entire time in WWE. I th I'm going to have to say Becky Lynch, maybe. That's the exact one I would say. Becky Lynch is the only one on the main roster that has walked out of a feud with Charlotte Flair better off than they were when they entered it. Right. Asuka, killed. Yeah. Sasha, killed. Dead on arrival. Dead on arrival. You know, uh, even Nikki Bella killed off uh, when her feud with Charlotte. I mean, you had Becky Lynch the first time was killed off. Right. 
you have Bailey. Now, ba- oh God, Bailey, yeah, for sure. Bailey was was killed off. Mm-hmm. Though I think that was more by Alexa Bliss, but and those are the only two. That's the only person she hasn't really had a feud with because can't go killing off Vince's favorite. Right. I mean, if you want to bury somebody, go bury her. Right. S- send her back to being a manager. Imagine what she could do in like the Zelina Vega role. Right. So yeah, this was it was a, it was an okay match. I don't think it's something I'm going to, like, feel compelled to come back. and Like, if I want to watch WrestleMania 36 again, this is probably one I'm still going to fast-forward through. Right. I'm going to I'm gonna try and get to the, the highlights. Right. I'm probably going to do the same thing. So, next match. Aleister Black, Bobby Lashley. I'm glad it only went seven minutes. <laughs> I would have to say the same thing. So, the big story here, obviously, there's still that fallout from the... Rusev, Lana, Lashley, Angle, and Lana's still there with Lashley. And the finish of this match, because I'm assuming that's really the only thing we want to talk about, is Lashley's dominating, and Lana says, Spear him! Spear him! So he puts Aleister Black down, goes for the spear, turns it right into a black mass. I I did like that. I did like that. So that, that plants a little wrinkle in that angle going forward of possible dissension between Lashley and Lana. Right. He might want to so, switch back to black. <laughs> Hopefully Lana will just get written off at some point because I just don't think she's a compelling character to me. She wasn't a compelling wrestler, and I don't really think she's a very compelling uh, character. She was only good when she was a heel with original Rusev, and that's really about that. When they were doing the the, the Russian thing, yeah, the ravishing. Well, no, not I wouldn't say ravishing because they had like twenty different definitions yeah. of that character, but but the the Russia thing was cool. Yeah, when Rusev crashed. American hater. Yeah, that's what I wanted from Foreign her. Foreign heel. Uh, I'm I'm done with Lana. I'm ready to move on. Yeah, I've I've already been moved on since before the whole. Uh, when she was on SmackDown as a singles competitor, she's kind of like, uh, what is she doing there? She was awful. Yeah. Awful, awful, awful. Well, let's move on then. <laughs> Otis, Dolph Ziggler, with Sonya Deville at ringside, fighting over Mandy Rose. So this has been kind of a long-running angle here. Actually, maybe the most long-running angle on the entire card. I believe so. <laughs> uh, they had the twists and turns of this angle. And I've not been the biggest Otis fan. We probably need Turner here for that, but... I'm not the you know world's what? biggest Otis fan either, but I can get behind him as far as a, uh, you know, what do you call it, Char- character-wise. Uh, yeah, nice little undercard babyface. Yeah. And we got the we got the payoff, you know. Yeah. Ziggler got to, um, you know, we had first uh, the distraction from uh, Sonya Deville, mm-hmm. which Dolph Ziggler takes Otis to Dick Kick City. Right. Boom. Then Mandy Rose comes out. Of course, she has to wait for her music because reasons. Right. Whatever. <laughs> so she comes out, takes out Sonya, and then there's the distraction, and she comes in, and bam, dick punch city for, for Dolph. Pulls a China. Which sets, yep, which pulls off that, uh, yeah, RIP China. Here's our tribute. Right. And uh, that ends ends the match with the uh, punch to Dolph's dong. and uh, <laughs> Dolph's Ziggler. <laughs> yeah, Dolph's Ziggler gets, gets punched, and then Otis hits the uh, Caterpillar elbow for the win. Hey, it was nice. It was only eight I mean, minutes, so thankfully not another long, you know, not a long drawn out match. Right. I think that was exactly what it needed to be. Yeah, it was. It was cool. Yeah, uh, had had the payoff. Uh, decent feud. Can't say it was a bad feud. Can't say it was the world's greatest feud. Yeah. But and I mean, we'll I'm. See, I wouldn't necessarily give it a bad grade. Because now you have this potential of Sonya Deville and Manny Rose feuding going exactly. Forward. And you can maybe do some mixed tag matches and. See where it goes. I mean, Otis has that potential to be that kind of mid, lower mid baby face that the fans pop for, but he never really breaks through. And, right. and that's that's fine. You need those kind of people. He's going to be one of those to get over without having to win a world title. Yes. You know, we said last night, Scotty Tuhati. Exactly. Exactly that. You know, maybe one day the him and uh, Tucker will win the tag title. Something yeah, like that. I, I think they will. And even if one decides to go on to be a... Uh, Singles competitor, I. It's obvious that Otis is going to get over unless they try to Roman Reigns Tucker. Yeah, no kidding. But yeah, I guess we'll see when time tell when time goes on. So this then transitions to what I think 
had to be the match of the night. Edge, Randy Orton, last man standing. Absolutely, I agree with that one. I mean, this was... Storytelling. It was great storytelling, and it was a passionate, I hate you feud. Right. There was not any of this... There, was, there wasn't going to be a lot of wrestling. This was not a, a technical chain wrestling masterpiece. It was a blood feud, and it needed it needed a fight and a brawl, and it needed to go right. all over the place. There wasn't a lot of fancy, shiny moves. Right. There was a lot of punching and kicking and, and foreign objects. But it told that story of, you know, Randy, you need, you, you need to go down, and you need to get put down, Edge. Right. And Edge, I still have something in the tank. I need to defend my honor, my family, my wife. What did you think of Edge's selling? I thought Edge did fine. Um, I mean, he, he did some some great like spots to get up where he would just barely get his feet underneath them to right. get back up. Right. And I, I liked it. Right. And I was he, thinking the same thing. Okay, yeah, because I just love how you just have those like real struggle to get up but then he would pull it off right at nine and a half every time. I liked how they incorporated and they called out that he was grasping at his neck and feeling his hands. See, and and I was going to point that out, is as someone who myself has a neck injury and I have issues with with the fallout of that, when I would see him take the shot and he'd be down there and he's testing his fingers, that's something that, that's a reality of someone who's had a neck injury. That's something I do. I test my hand. I test the feeling in my fingers and my extremities to make sure everything's still working. Right. And so that was a, a neat little thing that would keep coming up, and they actually pointed that out, which was brilliant. Right, absolutely. Um, there was a, a, a kind of troubling spot I pointed out in our group chat, but do you want to you go ahead and take yeah, this Yeah, I'll go ahead and do that. Um, when they When they did the weight machine spot with a round putting whatever the cord or whatever the the sling around yeah, Edge's just, neck. Yeah, the sling that you're supposed to pull on to, you know, you put them around your shoulders to kind of pull the weights down. Right. What were they going to do with that? Because they had something planned, but they stopped. I don't know if... I, that may have just been what the plan was. Oh, I want to tie him up so I can beat him kind of thing. But Maybe it my- could have just been a... Uh, I'm going to put him here so he can make the count of 10 so I can continue whooping his ass. I, I just want to say, I think it was supposed to be like a tie-up spot. Like, you tie somebody up in the ropes. Right. But, to me, my immediate instinct was, that's kind of close to the how Benoit died. That That is how Benoit died. <laughs> well, I mean, it wasn't quite, you know, it wasn't a Bowflex machine, and it wasn't completely wrapped around the neck and they didn't do the hang spot but well, yeah, right it was, it was they didn't have a bible either it was very reminiscent of it right and that did make me a little uncomfortable i'm not gonna lie that kind of was just kind of like uh yeah. maybe it's just because i watched dark side of the ring like a couple days beforehand about benoit exactly. and it's kind of like that put a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth but whatever they were going for i didn't necessarily get it yeah. and, and i will say at least because I, I was afraid Randy was going to do a thing where he wraps it around his neck and then pulls and kind of lifts him up and is like, oh, choking him. I'm yeah. I'm they didn't do anything like that. That would have been and, a little distasteful. And they did kind of, it, like, they wrapped it around his, his neck, but also around, like, his arm, so it was a, at least different enough. But, yeah, I was a little perturbed at that, but then we moved on and right. got out of the gym, and I loved how, as they're going through the corridors... Um, you're changing the camera, so the cameraman, you'll cut, and he'll have to run around to try and catch up. Right. And then they did the spot where um, they smashed into the uh, Sasha Charlotte Hell in a Cell poster, and the cameraman takes a bump. Yeah, that was great. I love it. They the took forever to switch over to the no- to the next cameraman. I'm just like, geez, it's like, someone go yeah. to camera 10. Go to camera 10. And the camera work was great also early on the match. Yeah, absolutely. When, uh, when Randy did his little sneak attack at the beginning, he ha- he was the cameraman. Yeah. But then he actually held the camera, and they cut to the camera while he was about to bash it into Edge's head. And then they cut to it again when it was on the floor. Like, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. To show that it was a real working camera. Yeah, definitely. Kind of helped put that, spe- that spot over. Yeah, it, exactly. Like, it makes it a little more legit. Right. Um, and then my first thought was when he did that sneak attack arc, I was like, why is he dressed in all black? But then they show the camera. I'm like, okay. I thought the same, too. And I'm like, why is he dressed like that? Is he just expecting just to 
hit a concerto and call it a day? Yeah. So it was uh, it was an interesting spot, an interesting way to kick it off, you know, with the heel getting uh, the advantage right off the bat. Right. Reminiscent and, uh, of a of an early style feud. Yeah. Well, so then they keep brawling. They eventually get into kind of like the parking structure. I don't know what you want to call it, where there was loading docks. Yeah, there was a lot of storage. There was the NXT ring truck. A little bit of everything. Yeah, and I kept thinking, I'm like, oh my god, they're gonna do a spear off of that, off that ring truck. And I was kind of thinking that might be a little, a little much. Right. Uh, but there were so many good spots. I'm, I'm gonna probably forget some here. But one of the best ones was uh, when they took the bump on the. Um, the bed of the regular truck, the pickup truck. Yeah, the Tony the cover. <laughs> start, yeah, and the referee starts counting, and Randy's like, stop that damn count. I'll tell you when to count. Right. <laughs> I thought that was good. And then he did the DDT spiking him right onto it. Uh, but this was something that it wasn't pretty, but there was a lot of emotion, a lot of heat, and that's hard to do without fans. That's really hard to do without fans. Right. And, I mean, I thought the finish was, was really well done. If, of Randy was going to do the concerto. If you don't have to do this, you don't have to do this. Come on. Don't do it, Randy. The and man has a family. Exactly. And then, you know, Edge gets up. He kind of puts him in that modified sleeper Cobra Clutch thing he's been doing. Yeah. And he puts him down. And you can see Edge struggles with it because, on one hand, yeah, he's pissed at Randy. But that was his friend. And right. they had that relationship, and he didn't want to do it, but he just kind of, you know, he's thinking about what he said to, about me, what he said about my wife, what he said about my kids, and then, mm-hmm. bam, that's it. I, I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, that was great. I I didn't really know what to expect as far as a payoff or who was going to, well, I mean, I knew Edge was going to come out on top. But yeah. what kind of emotions were they going to play being it was Edge's first match in nine years? I mean, to me, this knocked off Owens-Rollins as the best regular match of WrestleMania 36. Yeah. I, I think, to me, this is where I was debating, well, where do I put Owens-Rollins? I think, to me, this this is a five-star match, in my opinion. This is exactly what I want to see in a heated feud. Mm-hmm. Two guys that just want to beat the shit out of each other. Now, they're not doing high spots. They're not trying to show off. They're just trying to beat the living hell out of the other person because they want to show they're the best. Right. I mean, to me, this is going to go down the pantheon of great WrestleMania matches. And I'll have to watch it again to tell exactly where I want to put this. But... Without saying it's the greatest of all time, I'm going to say it's in that conversation. It's it's in the realm of, of uh, an HBK Undertaker at 25 or a, a Brett uh, Steve Austin at 13 or – yeah, 13 or Owen and Brett at WrestleMania 10. I, it's in that conversation. It may not be the greatest of all time, but it's, it's in the conversation. It's there. I am indifferent about that. I think if I watch it again and study even harder – I think I think I'd have to agree. So I mean, definitely we got to look at it again because I'm just this is my, you know, it just happened two or three hours ago. At least we saw it for the first time, and so I'm, I've got to kind of got that instant reaction where I'm maybe overrating it, but I don't think I am, and I want to watch it again to be sure. But it's at least if it's not the greatest of all time, it's knocking on the door, right? And. That's more than I expected coming into this WrestleMania. I was not expecting to have um, a boneyard match that turned out like that or this. Right. This is not what I was expecting. I was really expecting an underwhelming WrestleMania, and the highlights of this WrestleMania, I think, can hang up with, or can hang with just about any of them. Right. Uh, there was a lot of bad stuff too. Right. <laughs> it was not perfect. Right. Absolutely. But, I mean, something like this in the boneyard match. I think it hang with just about any two matches on any WrestleMania. Right. And that's saying something. I think WWE has been saying for years we're an entertainment company, and I think they kind of proved it with this. Right. I mean, they had great entertainment with no fans. 
Right. So they cool. did pull off a, a pretty good show without any fans. Yeah. Might not have been a good show the entire time, but... And, and there's no time you're ever going to have... A perfect show. I mean, we had 16 main card matches between two nights. You're never going to have 16 consecutive matches be great. It's right. not going to happen. So, let's try and move on for, from this for a minute. And I was just saying, I so hope the women don't have to follow that match immediately. <laughs> yeah. Because even though there's no crowd to kill off, I mean, I wasn't, I'll, I'll admit, I was not focused on the tag title match. Me neither. I, I'm not going to lie. I give absolutely no discredit to the Street Profits or the two unknowns. I had absolutely <laughs> no idea who the hell they were. Yeah. Angel Garza and... Austin Theory. Austin Theory, whatever the hell his theory is. He can yeah. shine it up real nice and stick it up his candy ass. Austin um, Theory says, I just jobbed at WrestleMania. For, for a minute, I thought the person said Austin Aries. I'm like, what the hell is Austin Aries doing back oh, yeah. in the WWE? Oh, Austin Theory. Oh, yeah. Wh yeah whoever the hell that guy is. Anyway, um, I got up and I went and took a piss and I came back and the match was over. And I'm like, did, did Street Profits win? Good? All right, sweet. I mean, it was a couple of decent high spots. Uh, it was only six minutes long, so it was, the, I think, believe, the shortest main card match. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. The shortest main card match, excluding the two world title matches. <laughs> for You know. Yeah, you're not lying. So, a good, good couple of high spots, and then you had the payoff at the end where they try to jump Street Profits. Selena Vega kicks Montez Ford in the face, and then his wife, which I don't know if they really put that over well on commentary. but No, they didn't. But his wife... Bianca Belair comes and makes the, the the save. Right. Which I mean, does that mean she's on Raw now? Does that mean she's going to be associated with the Street Profits? I think so. Is um, she going to get smoked every time she's around somebody else? <laughs> well, I I think at the very least, this seems to be transitioning her to Raw, which I'm hoping this isn't too early in her progression because she's got tremendous upside, but I think she still needs some experience in NXT. I, I think so. I mean, right. this this is the kind of person that I would like to see get an NXT title run and, and see what they, she can do with that before bringing her up. Mm, you think she'd drop it to? Uh, you think Charlotte would drop it to her? I, I think I think Belair's on Raw now. I think that's I think they're gonna do a, a feud with Zelina Vega and Bianca Belair being the counter with Zelina's guys versus the Street Profits. So I think she's on Raw, whether we like it or not. Okay, I, I mean, I could settle for that, I guess. So we're going to see. She's a potential candidate for a few down the road with Becky Lynch. I'm not sure how their styles will mix, because she's definitely a high spot right. type of wrestler, whereas Becky Lynch is more of a brawler at this point in her career. Right. We'll have to see. Uh, I'm not trying to write anybody off, and she's got the athletic chops. I, she may be the most athletic woman in the company. Right. She was. Uh, Jr. would have been telling you all our college athletic stats, <laughs> but I know she was in track and basketball in college, and she was a very high level amateur athlete before coming to WWE. That's what I heard, but I don't think they really uh, gave that any kind of credit <laughs> as far as. Uh... In her yeah, gimmick no, like everybody else. Yeah, there's no JR around to put that over. Yeah. <laughs> so things you miss without having JR. That and Skittles promos. That's right. Tootie, so, so by God, Fruity Skittles. Skittles. And for that, I'm going to open up this giant bag of Wildberry Skittles. Oh, my God. And we are not sponsored by Skittles, but by God, Wildberry Skittles, Wildberry, by God, they're so tooty, so fruity, there's resealable bags, they're not so resealable because, God damn it, I'm having such a hard time, it's bullshit, if you tell me what, I, oh, God, throw fruity, by God, King, by God, Mike, oh, whoever the hell I'm talking to right now, it could be Andrew Turner, oh, by God. Alright, anyway. I just like the grape ones the best. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. Moving on, we do get the fatal five-way elimination match for the SmackDown Women's Title, and I don't even know what to say. That's all you, man. You take this one right away. I mean, I'll add my two cents. I this is kind of what I predicted to happen last night. 
is I, I thought Bailey was going to come out with the title and she was going to come out in a way that set Sasha up to turn babyface. That's what I thought too, but I was surprised but, with the whole situation at the very end of the match. There was no payoff. And as someone who's been a Sasha Banks fan on the main roster, there never is a payoff. It's always, oh, we're eventually going to get this cool thing. Eventually something will happen. Uh, down the road, we'll, 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 do the, we'll finally do the feud with her and Bailey, And it always gets put off and you never get a payoff. Right. That's, that's been the story since she dropped the belt to Charlotte back in the end of 2016. Right. There's never, never been a payoff. Right. And to me, I get if maybe this wasn't the right time, but this didn't even seem to set up a feud going forward. All it seems to set up is that Lacey Evans has a beef with Sasha Banks now. That's the feud it seemed to set up. Nothing as far as Bailey though, who's the champ. Yeah, like it, Bailey basically just gets she gets saved by Sasha. Let's put it, you know, the way it was. Um, Bailey kind of shoved Sasha into the the women's, women's right. right and sets her up to lose and kind of just sits on the ropes and doesn't break up the count. I they they pointed that out in the commentary on the replay, but they didn't bring enough attention to it in my opinion. Absolutely, that's what I was going to say. They should have hammered that home. And then when Sasha comes out later and, and takes out Lacey, I mean, I would have liked to have seen maybe more tension in that angle at the end. I mean, Sasha was very deferential. She put the belt on Bailey's waist and got out of the way. Right. And Bailey did her, her, her little shtick, you know. I'm untouchable. You, you're not better than me, JBL. Certainly not you, Michael Cole. <laughs> I did like that. I'm not going to lie. I uh, thought that was funny. It, Actually, my, probably my favorite spot of the night was when Bailey and Sasha were both getting um, a, a pin attempt on them, and Michael Cole says, Bailey and Sasha were almost eliminated there, and Bailey looks at him and says, No, we weren't! <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was cool, and that was something that you can only do in this scenario. You can't do that in a regular match. Right. So that was kind of a cool little right. little spot. Uh, I'm not upset with Bailey retaining, but no. I just don't see where I don't see the roadmap going forward, and right. I don't have any faith in this company to do this right. Does that leave room for someone new to come in and start a potential feud for Bailey, since one was not set tonight? I don't know, and especially with time being taken off, I don't know where this sets us up. So this is it's going to be another thing where, yep, you're still waiting for a payoff, Sasha Banks fans. You know who she's really going to drop it to? <sighs> Probably Ronda Rousey. Or Charlotte Flair if she comes back to SmackDown. Uh, actually, no. That's not what I was going to say. No. Paige. She should never wrestle again. Absolutely. But, I mean, she's going to. It, it. She should never wrestle again. And, and, and I say that as somebody who has seen people come back from neck injuries... Her neck is not in any kind of shape to be able to wrestle. And the thing is, the fact that an edge can get away with it, a lot of that has to do with the amount of muscle mass he's got in his Body. traps and and to be able to protect his neck. I mean, there have been plenty of times that we've heard the story of when Steve Austin took that pile driver, his doctor told him, if you weren't so built on your neck, you'd be dead right now. Right. So Paige Paige could kill herself in the ring. And I'm not I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here, but she should never wrestle again. Right. You're saying that cuz you care, damn it. I mean, this is someone who could literally put their life on the line in the ring and I don't I I can't imagine this company being that short-sighted right. to do that. And think it'll you know, be an Alexa Bliss treatment though. I, I can't see it happening. And especially because she's not a Vince favorite. You know, they, they try to get some, some mileage out of her, but he's she's never been the one Vince wants to get behind. So I don't see what the upside is to bringing her back. This isn't like bringing back Edge or Daniel Bryan. Right. Where you have a potential main event superstar. And, yeah, it sucks. Paige kind of missed all of the great in-ring workers. Really, the only one she interacted with was AJ. Right. Yeah, it sucks, but I'm sorry. We can't have you wrestling when a very routine spot can screw your neck up that easily. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, 
that's just kind of something you don't really want to get into, but you hope you don't see it at the same time. Exactly. Because what happens if she takes a bump and is off by six inches? Yeah, all it took Paralyzed was a kick bump. to the back of the neck, and it was game over. And that's the thing is, it wasn't even the kick that did it. It was the fact that she couldn't protect herself, and she hit her. It was when her head hit the mat that hurt her. So I thought she, it was the kick. Okay. Well, so she took the kick, but if you notice, her arms were out to her sides, so she couldn't protect herself when she hit the mat. And when her head hits the mat, you see that snap, that whiplash, mm-hmm. and that's what did it. Uh, and there were they'd shown previous versions of that spot that she'd done. And every other time, she'd get her head, her hands in front of her. Mm-hmm. And her hands would hit the mat instead of her face hitting the mat first. And she can't protect herself. You can't let her wrestle. That's my opinion, and I hope that's something that sticks to it. But was it really that bump, or was it Brad Maddox? <laughs> okay, anyway, I mean, going on from that. That, was, <laughs> that certainly was a blast to the face. <laughs> right, more than one. Yeah, God, that I can't even look at that title belt anymore. You go back and watch those old NXT matches, and I'm just like, I know where you've been. <laughs> so, oh my! Anyway, this brings us to something that I have not been able to process yet. I don't know what to say about it, and that is the Firefly Funhouse match? Question mark segment. I'm going to call that a segment. Yeah, the Firefly Funhouse. <laughs> Right. John Cena and Bray Wyatt. So, I, I, I want to kind of go through this one piece at a time and try and break sure, this down. Sure, go right ahead. Begins with John Cena coming out, doing his entrance, and he says, Welcome to WrestleMania! And then it cuts to a, a video of Welcome to WrestleMania and a bunch of highlights from previous WrestleManias. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, we're really glad, you know, right. Firefly Funhouse. And Bray cuts his little promo. Then suddenly, leaves. John Cena's in the Firefly Funhouse. And on the door, I don't know if you picked up on the reference. I don't know if you're a literature nerd like I am. But Abandon says, all hope, ye who enters here. Dante yeah. something. Da- yep, that would be Dante Alighieri from the Inferno. Yes. And that's a, a reference to the entrance to hell. Exactly. So basically, that's saying if you enter this door, John Cena, you're entering your own personal, personal hell. hell. Absolutely. And essentially, that's kind of what this segment was. It was. So you have that literature reference, which right off the bat kind of tips me off that something's a little different here. Right. And so Cena opens the door into complete darkness. And that's when we get Mr. McBossman, the puppet. <laughs> uh, the he very, very takes. thinly veiled, uh, you know, reference to Mr. McMahon. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you have what it takes. This is kind of a throwback to that 2002 John Cena. Right. And ruthless aggression. And then they do the puppet, or not the puppet, but the kind of... Um, shadowing of Bray Wyatt saying what Kurt Angle said on John right. Cena's debut. And then you get John Cena in that same exact outfit come down to the ring. And he keeps swinging and missing while saying Ruth's aggression at. And going Bray for Wyatt. the slap. Yeah. And then Bray makes a little dig at him with the, the Bella reference, which was interesting. Right, I did notice that. I'm like, you can look, but you can't touch. Right, <laughs> which is uh, a little different. <clears throat> and then that kind of fades out after Cena fails to to get over, and it turns into the Saturday Night Main Event intro. And then you have like a, a weird like '80s promo with Bray Wyatt and John Cena supposedly as tag team partners. This was I, a stab at Hogan, and you can't you can't tell me I'm wrong. It it was some kind of reference. I, it, it began. There was kind of this parallel of future past, future past. Well, of that, but then also John Cena is Hulk Hogan. Right. I did so begin to pick that up by the time about halfway through the promo. Yeah. So John Cena in this case is 1985 Hulk Hogan, 
pumping the, the weights. And and I may be wrong on this, but those look exactly like the old WWF <laughs> water-filled weights from the 1980s, which I had as a kid. That's why I'm referencing it. But those were branded as Hulk Hogan. Right. So that kind of puts more evidence in the thing in the factor that he is Hulk Hogan in this. <clears throat> he is and, the modern-day Hulk Hogan. Yeah, and this somehow it leads to then his arms being flat and him not being able to do anything. And there's a lot of symbolism here, and I don't, I, I'm sure I missed something. Can I I'm jump in real quick yeah, to add on to that? Tagging his arms being flat. Rumor has it that using steroids for so long, your arms become nothing. Was hmm. that a reference in the 1980s in the steroid trial? I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say because Vince wouldn't go there, but I wouldn't put it past Bray Wyatt to try and throw a reference in there that would be too smart for Vince. I think that's too smart for the average Mark. And, and like I said, they're throwing these references in very quickly, and I've only watched it once. Same here. So that's just one thing that kind of stuck out. I'm yeah. like, I'm like, because I didn't understand it, so that makes me think. I'm like, what didn't I get about that? Yeah. So I, I really am going to be interested to see what the kind of I'm fan super universe in the puts theories. together. Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, and I'll, I'll take the segue here because I'm sure you're kind of keyed in on this, you know, being a tech savvy guy yourself. But this kind of reminds me of like the alternative reality games that have shown up on YouTube in the past five or six years. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it kind of has that very viral, you know, weird surreal imagery and messaging where you have to actually break it down and the fans are going to come up with theories. What does this mean? What is that? And people are going to come up with some that are, I'm sure some of the crap that we're saying is completely wrong. Right. But then there's going to be other people that come up with other theories on it. Um, I mean, I've kind of followed a lot of these, you know, alternative reality games Mm -hmm. and that's kind of half the fun is not just watching it the first time, but then watching people break it down and see what it actually means. That's the fun of it. So that's something I look forward to going back to. Yeah, absolutely. And trying to figure out. Uh, from here, we transition to uh, your favorite version of John Cena, which is Word Life. This is basic thugonomics. Absolutely. John Cena comes out and cuts the promo, on, or the rap, really. Right. On <laughs> the Starts rap. dissing on, him. Yeah. Yeah, and... I thought Bray Wyatt's take on this was really interesting. And, John, you're not a hero. You're the bully. You come out here and you find everyone's biggest weakness and you turn it into a joke. Mm-hmm. I mean, hmm. That. He's not really- wrong. That points to kind of an underlying thread of that John Cena character. He's supposed to be a fan favorite, but he's really acting like a heel. Who's really the bad guy, John? Right. It's you. Right. And then John Cena can't respond to that because he's still Dr. Thugonomics, and so he just makes a nut joke. Right. And throws it back speak and rhyme. Yeah. Which then now transitions again into Bray Wyatt in his original... Cape Fear the debut gimmick. gimmick. Yeah, that cult leader gimmick. Right, live in fear. And now this is like a big take back to his match against John Cena at WrestleMania 30. Right. And John Cena is put in that position with the steel chair that he was at WrestleMania 30, and he, you know, Bray Wyatt at the time, John, do it, John. Embrace it, John. Right. And he, could, and he didn't do it in that match. Right. But this time he thinks differently and says, you know what? I am going to put him down. And he swings the chair and there's nothing there. Right. So there's some, there's, there's, there, there's more here to break down, but, but I'm, I'm not catching everything. Right. I didn't necessarily get the full picture compared to the Doctor of Thugonomics part. Yeah. But I mean,. That's again one of those things I want to I want to hear the theories on, especially that part and the next upcoming part. Take it away. Speaking of, now Bray Wyatt is Easy Eric B. Bischoff. <laughs> yeah, Easy B. Bray Wyatt. 
the ECB Bray Wyatt uh, with the Wolfpack shirt on, which I'm not sure. <laughs> oh man, ever, I'm not sure Bischoff ever did a Wolfpack. No, L- whatever. No, and he introduces Hollywood John, John Cena, Cena, basically Hulk Hogan, right? And this just brings more of this whole idea that John Cena is Hulk Hogan. Right. But then, and this was probably the, the my favorite like little part of it, is Vince McMahon, the puppet, Mr. McBoss Man, this is such good <laughs> shit. I thought for that. That was, <laughs> that was perfect. Uh, a clear reference to the Dean Ambrose slash John Moxley <laughs> interview on Talk is Jericho <laughs> right. about, about Vince McMahon. And John Cena starts throwing punches at Bray Wyatt and seemingly beats him up, only for it to be revealed as Huskus the pig. Right. Husky Harris. Right. And it turns out the Fiend has been behind him all along, and the Fiend puts John Cena in the mandible claw, the sister Abigail... And puts him down, and then Bray Wyatt counts his own one, two, three, and it ends. So before I uh, I, I jump into the end there, go ahead. With the NWO segment, was that signifying that John Cena should have turned heel a long time ago? In your opinion, I think it's a reference to the fact that John, your career would have been better had you turned heel. Yep. I think I think absolutely. This is supposed to be the failures of John Cena. Right. And I this may even go back to that WrestleMania 30 of John Cena should have turned heel, embraced the hate, and actually taken his head off with the chair. Right. And in this instance, he should have turned heel. At some point in his career, your biggest failure... Was not turning never, heel. You, you never changed. Right. You, while you claim to be a hero, you were always that same bad man, John. Right. That might be that might be the entire takeaway of this. Is is that the biggest failure of John Cena was never turning. See, what makes me also wonder is remember that little segment with Hulk Hogan and they did the interview about Goldberg and uh, the Fiend at Super Showdown, Blood Money, Saudi Arabia, yeah. Camel Jockey, whatever the hell it was. Um, yes. Was that do you think that was also a reference to that in these segments? Or was it just strictly that John Cena is getting compared to Hulk Hogan nowadays? I, I don't know. I It's something I have to watch again to try and pull on each individual thread. Because there was a lot there. There's a lot to unpack in the segment. And it was not... It felt really long at the time, but I looked at the time and apparently it was only 13 minutes. Right. So that was a lot in a very short period of time. Right. So this is something we're, we're going to have to... It'll be interesting to see if we revisit this in a month, what our thoughts are. And how it might be different from now. And by then, we're going to hear and we're going to develop our own theories that are going to be phenomenal. For sure. And we're going to see, you know, all of the usual suspects are going to make their own videos about it, trying to break it down. Right. And we can see that and then try and pull out what we think the end takeaway from this thing is. Uh, I think what Titus O'Neil said at the end really is what my reaction to. I don't know what I just saw. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I saw either. So that's why... I didn't it's like when it. I messaged you guys, and I'm like, I didn't hate it, but I enjoyed it? Question mark? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't... I was afraid, especially early on, this was going to be really lame. And it wasn't. It no, wasn't it wasn't wrestling. at all. It wasn't wrestling, and it wasn't... It wasn't as serious and, and and as emotionally grabbing you by the throat as the Undertaker AJ Styles was. Mm-hmm. But this was almost it was like an it was like a puzzle that you're you're trying to put together this puzzle in your mind now. Uh, it, it reminds me of the first time I ever saw Donnie Darko the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, of your of you're just trying to figure out what in the hell you just saw, and the most important the the, the best part is trying to figure out what happened. And all the theories that are going to come out of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the ultimate takeaway from this is we're going to have to watch this another, like, ten times to know what's actually going on. Someone put, John Cena, this is your life. It kind of was that segment, but better. Yeah, honestly. This was a better way of doing it. 
And this is something you could not... If they would have done this at a traditional WrestleMania, I probably would have not liked it. But this, as much as, you know, the wind may have been taken out of the sails of WrestleMania by not having a crowd because of COVID-19, mm-hmm. I, I believe... Well, we're going to look back on this WrestleMania. We're going to say, yeah, there are a lot of matches that were really hurt. I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a, a fan's tweet right now, and it said, "I have no idea what I'm looking at, but I can't turn away." Yeah, it's like it's like that's exactly how I felt. It's like a car crash, you can't turn away. You don't know right. what's going on. You want to know, right? And absolutely. I think the the long term takeaway from WrestleMania 36 is going to be yes, there were a lot of matches that were hurt by not having a crowd. Right. But you got three matches slash segments in the Boneyard match, Edge and Randy, Four. and uh, no, yeah, Firefly yeah, Funhouse right. that you just would not have gotten at a traditional WrestleMania. None of, none of those matches would have worked at a regular WrestleMania. Even Edge, Randy Orton, that would not have worked at a regular WrestleMania. One way I would describe WrestleMania 36 and... In detail with those three segment slash ma- slash matches, yeah. is that not only can be res- can you know WWE be entertaining, but it can show that wrestling is an art. I I, I would fully agree with this. Is what we're what we've seen without having a crowd is wrestling is an art form. I think and they absolutely purest- knocked it out of the park without having no crowd. I, I really do agree. I was afraid of what we were going to see coming into this because straight up, and I know you haven't really watched, but the television matches they've had since they've taken the crowd away have been awful. Yeah, I figured. And the only things that have sh- really had a chance to shine were the, the in-ring promos, the Undertaker promo, the Edge promo, were all fantastic. Right. But the actual matches were terrible. And, yeah, they kind of subverted that by having... You know, the Firefly Funhouse wasn't a real match. Boneyard wasn't a real match. Even Last Man Standing was not a traditional match in the ring. Right. But they gave us entertaining wrestling as an art form. And they took it to a different level. Like, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, this is just a ripoff of Matt Hardy. And I'm sorry, what Matt Hardy did may have been in the same idea pool of a cinematic, in quotation marks, match. Right. That was a joke. That was funny. Ha 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 ha. That was a comedy. That's like trying to take The Hangover and compare it to The Godfather. Right. You know? It's a different genre. It's not the same thing. And I, I don't know. I'm I'm very interested to see if we can get more like this, and if this survives when you start having a crowd again. I just wonder where they're gonna go now. They've just crapped an absolute masterpiece. And I'm hoping Vince doesn't screw this up. Like he screws up every other thing that ever shows great potential. To my knowledge, as far as the Boneyard goes, I could be wrong. Triple H was behind it. Triple H and uh, uh, Hayes was behind it. Sounds 100% right to me. That sounds like something Triple H would do. Um, and, and if this is where the company's going, once Vince is gone, Vince, uh, Shady Oaks retirement park is looking for you, pal. Right. If, that, almost, if that's the case, dude, you're going to be fine. Just, just step aside, man. Just step aside. Right. Give it to the young gun. And yeah, that he's really young. He's, you know, almost 50, but <laughs> give it, give it to Triple H. See what he can do. Give it to the fresher mind. Exactly. I mean, Vince McMahon has essentially been in charge of creative since 1984. Right. It's a different world. Right. Times have changed. You know, I wasn't born yet. You clearly weren't even close to being born yet in 1984. (laughs) No. I mean, it's a different world now. I mean, we need new ideas. We need somebody who's got a younger take on this, who can be more in touch with today. And, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the primary creative driver behind this Firefly Funhouse was Bray Wyatt himself. Oh, it had to have been. Uh, Because this is definitely a young person. Perspective. 
perspective, yeah. I mean, this is somebody who, who has spent time on YouTube, who has been in touch with online culture to come up with this. Right. This is not something that a 70-year-old could have come up with. It just isn't. Right. And I like the idea of giving these people more creative freedom because ultimately, ultimately, that's what your main event talent should be able to do is they should be the creative driving force of your program. Absolutely. I mean, I don't have anything else to go on on this. Uh, We're forgetting something, you... brother. What are we forgetting, brother? We're forgetting one more match. Oh, no. I was talking about the Firefly. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I thought you were wrapping up the WrestleMania 36 as a whole. But there was one more match (laughs) for the WWE Heavyweight Championship. Drew McIntyre challenges Brock Lesnar. And. Well, we got what we wanted. the, The decision was correct. Absolutely. Drew needed to win. Drew needed to win, just like Braun needed to beat Goldberg. Right. I will say this is one where I really wanted a crowd. Absolutely. I was just about I, to say the same thing. I'm like, man, like I halfway feel bad for Drew McIntyre. I do feel bad for Drew because this is supposed to be his crowning moment where he gets the big baby face pop, and it's just not possible. Right. It's like, imagine Kofi with no crowd. Or Daniel Bryan with no crowd. Exactly. Or even 1998, Stone Cold Steve Austin with no, no crowd. crowd. So it, it was it was fine. I, I would say this is kind of not one of Lesnar's better WrestleMania matches. No, I mean I expected it to be a 30, 40 second squash match. Claymore click, cl- click, Claymore kick, Claymore kick, Claymore kick. F5 kick out, F5 kick out, F5 kick out, Claymore kick. It's kind of what it was. It just took four minutes instead of 40 seconds. Right. I mean, at least he got some German suplexes in there. And he got to do a shit, but... I would halfway say that Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar put on a better match at 31. 31, absolutely. Not the second match. No, the second match was trash. Right. The 31 match was brilliant. Uh, I, I, I defend that match. Even before Rollins came in, and Rollins did save it as far as the finish, getting out of a crappy finish. Mm -hmm. But that match was really well done. Uh, I would put this below Lesnar's match against Goldberg, too, at WrestleMania the the second time. Yeah, absolutely. Because to me, that was like a more impactful car crash type of match. Right. Whereas this, there wasn't a lot to it. It did accomplish what it needed to do. Uh, McIntyre kicked out of three F5s, and that last Claymore kick was brutal, where Lesnar couldn't even get up to his feet. Right. And then I appreciate Lesnar selling that all the way through till the end of the set. Absolutely. He didn't just roll out of the ring and bounce. Like, he was knocked. Uh, like, let's go back to our man Tiny Lister. You got knocked the fuck out. Right, absolutely. <laughs> when, uh... <laughs> When the match was over, and they got the camera shot on Drew McIntyre, I'm glad that he soaked that in. That it's his first world title, whether it was in front yep. of a crowd, whether it was in front of eighty thousand people. And, and he, he looked into the crowd. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. He he looked into the camera and just said, "Thank you, thank yep. you all." And I'm like, at least that meant something to him, even though it could have. He knows it could have been something more. Yeah. So. so. I'm 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 happy for Drew. Absolutely, my man deserves it. Good for him. I'm hoping that this does not affect his momentum with the crowd once it comes back. Right. Uh, My guess is, first time he comes back out to a live crowd, he's going to get that WrestleMania pop. Oh, absolutely. I believe that the first crowd that they get, they it's going to be Raw after Mania. That's the official Raw after Mania. It better be. It really better be. Like, the crowd better show up and be loud. They better be crazy. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, we lost our SmackDown here in in Detroit area. And I don't know when we're going to get a show again. But at the end of the day, WrestleMania 36 made me more likely to want to attend the next live event in our area. Right. Than I was before. 
ate a lot more than I thought this was going to do. I did not have high hopes for WrestleMania 36, but they did prove me wrong, and I think it was a pretty good damn, pretty damn good WrestleMania. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to have to watch it again and really think about it to see where I want to put this in terms of the all-time mania list. Right. But I will say, even with some of the head-scratching, like the women's tag match being 15 minutes long, mm-hmm. and, you know, some of the, the not-so-great stuff, I, I this is definitely better than average. It was a better than an average mania. Absolutely. Which I was expecting this to be firmly one of the worst of all time going into. I'd like to say it was better than 32. Better than... I didn't see now. I have to remember what 32 was. Cause 32 no has, was... The only thing I remember halfway decent was Taker and Shane. There's Taker, Shane, and that was... Was that Triple H? Triple H Roman? and Roman. Ooh, yeah, that was awful. And that's when you had... Lesnar and Ambrose? Mm-hmm. Yes, that was not great. And then you had the women's match, which was the match of the night, in my opinion, but had the wrong finish. So, yeah, it's probably better than that. I have to rewatch 32. But, I mean, the, the, the takeaway from that that I had was that Sasha Bailey, mm-hmm. Sasha should have won that. Sasha Banks should have won that freaking match. Damn it, now you're getting me back on that. Getting you all fired up. 0-5 at WrestleMania, by the way. Just want to throw that out there. Halfway to the gold dust streak of uh, ten consecutive WrestleMania losses. Right. And uh, I, I, I got to put something over real quick. There's this, uh, there's this group that I'm in on Facebook called Useless, Unsuccessful, and or Unpo- Unpopular Wrestling Memes, and uh, it's a picture from from Dark Side of the Ring, the New Jack story of D'Lo Brown looking at an Apple laptop, and it says, "Me watching the Vince McMahon puppet say such good shit." <laughs> I gotta put that over. It's that's absolutely great because that's literally gonna be me as soon as we're done recording. You need to go share that into Five <laughs> Wise Marks fan page. I am bro. going to do that literally as we speak. So I think we've covered <laughs> both parts of WrestleMania here, and hopefully post quarantine we'll be able to finally one day get all five of these fucking morons in one room at the same time. I think you misspelled Marks, good sir. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> So, on behalf of Jay Maynard, Nate, Turner, what a fucking WrestleMania. I didn't know what to expect, but what a WrestleMania. It beat my expectations. It did beat my expectations, but it just reminds me all over again why I'm a wrestling fan. Yeah, and and it gave... It's not easy to surprise people who've been watching wrestling as long as you and I and I think we were both surprised by the show absolutely I'm not gonna lie they they did it the exact way that they should have they had me on a roller coaster of emotions nostalgia trips excitement just how Wrestlemania should be the granddaddy of them all that's right there's only one of them and that again proves why in comparison to others why there's only one Wrestlemania and I'll tell you what this format of two nights needs to stay. They need to do this every year now. I agree. They need to do this every year now because this made this such an easier watch. The the Ever since 31, every single Mania has been tough to get to the end right. because of how long it runs. Right, right, let's, right. Let's split it up every year. This was so much easier. You know, a three-hour show and a three-and-a-half-hour show. Exactly. So, yeah, split it up next year. Do takeover on Friday. And, yeah, two nights from now on should always be too big for one night. Right. Do take over Thursday, Hall of Fame Friday. There you go. There you go. Perfect. Uh, I don't know. If I, have, I have nothing else to say, so I'm ready to wrap it up if you are. Um, we're actually just about to end on our one-hour mark, so uh, you say you don't have anything. I personally don't have anything. Again, hopefully we will have... One day in 2020, even though you already predicted it, that we will have the five wise marks. One day, probably not. Who knows? We are just a bunch of (laughs) nine-to-five jobbers just marking out to the average wrestling. Maybe we'll talk more about AEW. Maybe we'll talk more about Impact or ROH. But for now... (laughs) Not likely. Yeah, not not very likely. Maybe we'll do a taker streak. There are 21 matches. 21 episodes. Yeah, we'll, we'll spend an hour on each uh, on each match. All, all 25 of them. 
Let's do it, brother. All right, sounds good. But until then, I am Big Kev, and you are... Mike, and peace the hell out. Peace out. Peace <laughs> out.